This lamps are pouring from the buildings now. There's cars toppled, buildings entirely just crushed and crumbled. I'm not sure if it's safe to report from my vantage point. I I really need to leave. So the fences informed me that the surrounding areas are, are in ruin. I I see some people running now. And the opinion of this reporter, if this nation, or in fact the world, ever needed heroes, that time is now. That time is now. for the Aquamantron and FirestormFan.com. Uh, we are your hosts. I am Rob Kelly, and my co-host is the Irredeemable Shag. Say hello, Shag. Hello. How is everyone out there tonight? Ooh, very smooth. It must be because we're recording this later at night, so this is going to have a uh, somewhat of a uh, fire and water after dark type vibe to it. And we're all wearing uh, robes and smoking jackets and things like that. And uh, Shag is recording from an undisclosed location, uh, 22,300 miles in geosynchronous orbit over, like I said, an undisclosed location. <laughs> so I have to admit, okay, the undisclosed location, which we'll just call hotel for now. Um, Rob, are you ever offended when you go into the hotel bathroom and they, you know, put a hairdryer in there? It's just like a total knock. I, I take it personally. <laughs> I have not been in a hotel in a very, very long time, so I can't say that I, I have any memories of being insulted about anything that went on in a hotel room. It's been way too long, actually. Well, for the listeners at home, uh, both Rob and I are follically challenged, if you will. So, Yeah, I, I still regard that. If, God, this has nothing to do with the show at all, but since we started <laughs> off on this. That, that's me, king yeah, of the side there, there we go. Um, I still regard as one of the, my most proudest moments in life is when I was about 25 or 26, and it dawned on me that uh, between... Between the, my two parents, I was simply not going to inherit a whole lot of hair, and I, <laughs> I saw that I saw that in my mid twenties was already starting to go in little places here and there, and I decided right then and there, I'm like, am I going to spend the rest of my life obsessing over this? And I'm like, I don't want to be that guy, so I just started shaving it off, and you know, I've I've had that I've had this Lex Luthor look ever since, and I've been perfectly happy with it. It saves me a lot of time. So. The Lex Luthor aspect of that really suits you. Thank you. I appreciate that. I would like to. I would like to be a billionaire industrialist that 
crushes my enemies with an iron fist. But I haven't. There it is. I don't there. have any. I don't have any of that. <laughs> well, taking us back to where we, are, where we were. Yes, I'm wearing my uh, orange silk robe, my sm- orange smoking jacket, and uh, I assume you're wearing your uh, red and yellow with the sunburst uh, smoking jacket. <laughs> uh, sure, if you want to tell yourself that, that's exactly what I'm doing. Uh, uh. <laughs> So uh, anyway, uh, we uh, were not. Uh, we mentioned in the last episode that we were probably not going to record again until after the twenty eighth, which was when uh, Aquaman number one and the Fury of Firestorm number one come out. Um, but because we keep getting really such nice responses from these podcasts, we're sort of uh, more energized to uh, get back and record again. So uh, for those of you that enjoy the show and have left nice comments, which we'll get to near the end. Um, you know, like, this is the fruit of your labor. Uh, we're just squeezing in another episode, uh, even though uh, Shag has had a very long day. Well, it's, it's fair to say, well, hold on, Rob, plug your ears. I, I'm willing to do further shows because, honestly, I'm having fun doing them. So. Oh, that's very nice. Oh, I'm sorry, I was supposed to plug my ears. Were you listening? I'm sorry. Were you, were you listening? <laughs> God, I, I, you can't follow even the simplest instructions. No, I can't. <laughs> Why should I start now? <laughs> I wasn't able to do it 20 years ago. Um well, we're going to do viewer um, feedback at the end. Viewer? Like we did view, uh, listener. Whoops. I did the same thing last week. <laughs> We're going to do uh, listener feedback at the end, but there's one letter I, I wanted to start off with, if you don't mind, Rob. Absolutely. Because it's relevant to what we're going to talk about. Um, this letter is from a good buddy of mine named Scott Gardner. He's one of the two true freaks who run a number of fantastic podcasts. He said, just want to let you know that I listened to and thoroughly enjoyed the fire and water. Number one, it's about damn time. Someone showed a little love to Aquaman. I'm an Aquaman, I'm an Aquaman fan from way back, particularly of the awesomely illustrated Jim Aparo material. Yes, the man speaks the truth. And likewise, I can't believe it's taken this long for us to get a Firestorm podcast. Combine the two, and I am there. One thing, however, well, as I say, I dug this episode a lot. I'm not sure if I maybe missed something. What exactly is this show going to be about? Don't say Aquaman and Firestorm, duh. What I mean is, I couldn't get a sense for what you plan to discuss. We'd be covering just the new and upcoming stories of these characters, or we'd be looking back to the older issues. And uh, I'm going to kind of cut his letter because he writes quite a bit more um but that made a, uh, and finishes up with best wishes guys and keep up the great work i think you've got a solid show here in the making your pal scott h gardner co-host of the true true freaks podcasts um sorry to truncate the letter just trying to get to the meat of that which is he made a great point um we've never really identified with the mi- the mission statement or our core values or our beliefs uh for this podcast and uh so what is our corporate mission rob well, uh, I would guess it's basically to, I mean, the, the, this is just an audio version of what the uh, our respective sites are, is to just celebrate these two characters and talk about what's going on with them, uh, create some sort of uh, community where we can all, uh, you know, nerd out uh, over the details <laughs> and over the specific details of, uh, of these characters. Um, in terms of the specific mission of the show, uh, that's a really good comment, Scott, because I don't think, as, as Shag pointed out, I don't think Shag and I really discussed it before we started. Um, we basically no, just started I, recording. Yeah, I, th- I think it's fair to say um, we're going to be covering news. You know, anything that's topical, that's news-related, such as, you know, some piece of information that's come out about Aquaman or Firestorm or their respective series that are about to come out, we're, gonna, we're probably going to talk about. Um Will the show just be about the new 52? Absolutely not. 
we both have such a love for the history of these characters that I think we're going to be tackling different eras. I, and as you'll see in tonight's episode, we'll be tackling different eras. I mean, there may be an episode where we don't really have much to talk about with the New 52 at all. We may just focus on older stuff. You know, we might talk about... We, sneak preview ahead, you know, uh, Rob and I have talked about for a long time doing something covering Crisis on Earth Prime, because both Firestorm and Aquaman are featured in that, it's a big crossover, we love it, it's an old JLA, um, JSA, All-Star Squadron story, or we might talk about a Super Friends episode, or uh, a Batman Brave and the Bold episode, or we might not even talk about Firestorm, we might talk about Aquaman for a while, or we might do the opposite and talk about Firestorm, I think we're going to be all over the board, like you said, it's, it's sort of a reflection of the blogs. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I I figured that was you know I, I don't want to go into it with any too uh, too much of a um, you know of an agenda. It's just more of hey, this what's well, you know what do we want to talk about this week? And you know right now, I mean, had we started this show six months ago, uh, we would be talking about nothing but old stuff because there wasn't, or maybe a year ago, I should say, um, we would be talking about nothing but old stuff. But now we just happen to to start it uh, right before you know the big change where there's going to be lots of new stuff. So. As Shag said, it's mostly newer stuff, but you know there will be weeks where you know we want to go back and, and cover some other uh, some other part of the characters, each of the characters' histories, and uh, you know I think that's we'll just sort of toggle back and forth. Yeah. So if you're if you're someone who's really into the new Fifty Two, this is a great podcast to listen to. If you're someone who's not into the new Fifty Two, this is a great podcast to listen to. Absolutely. If you're my aunt Shelley, this is a great podcast to listen to. Is she a Firestorm fan? Uh, no. Oh. <laughs> Doesn't even really know what a comic book is. But oh. I, well, the point I'm trying to make is I'd recommend this to anybody. <laughs> we appeal to everybody, not just the massive Aquaman Firestorm demographic. Exactly. <laughs> um, so uh, to that end, uh, one of the things we were going to talk about this week, uh, because I said we are still, we are, what, nine days away from the 28th. Uh, we have a little bit of time to, to cover something else, and we thought we would, Shag and I, were going to talk about a particular run uh, from each of the characters' history that we feel is maybe a little unappreciated. Uh, maybe, you know, not something that uh, the average fan not know, not doesn't know about, but just doesn't, it isn't necessarily the first run that comes to your mind when you say, oh, you know, here's a great run of this character. Just something that we think is, uh, maybe deserves a little more attention. Absolutely. Um, yeah, and both characters have had different incarnations. The writers take them in different directions. And, you know, it's not always somebody's cup of tea. But you know what? We're going to tell you why it's good, and you're going to go back and give it a second chance, or we're going to send around some guys to your house that might break your legs. Sweet. One era that of Firestorm that I feel gets a bad rap, uh, undeservedly, is the elemental era of Firestorm. Wait, listen for it. Yes, there's the people going, oh. <laughs> Folks, I'm here to tell you, that this stuff was excellent. Um, it all started uh, when um, John Ostringer had taken over the book, for uh, taken over the uh, Fury of Firestorm for Jerry Conway, and he had started off by doing what I call the blank slate version of Firestorm, which was uh, when they Ronnie merged with Mikhail Arkin, and there was a Russian sort of version of Firestorm. But then uh, that was sort of a transitional phase, and to then in 1989, Ostringer teamed up with uh, Tom Mandrake, who he'd worked with before previously, and then went on also to continue to work with for a number of years on series like Martian Manhunter and The Spectre. Who, who uh, went to my alma mater, I, just, I feel I should add? Did he really? He's a Hubert School graduate, like myself. 
Very good. And uh, that's something a lot of people may not know about you, by the way. Which they should. Which they should. So, John Ostinger introduced the fire elemental. And this was sort of, you know, taking his cue from Alan Moore's Swamp Thing. And Swamp Thing had gone through a large storyline. Most of you probably know about him becoming an earth elemental. And that was pretty, you know, ground-shaking back then. So Firestorm turns out to be uh, in, uh, the fire elemental for Earth, and he becomes an environmental crusader. And a lot of people feel like the, the series kind of lost its way during this era, but I disagree. It, it was completely different. I mean, yes, it's, it's no longer about Ronnie, the fun, loving guy who you know can't get his crap together in high school or college, and he's always getting in trouble, and oh gosh, is this girl going to figure out his girlfriend going to figure out his Firestorm, whatever. No, it, it became a very socially conscious, um, in, environmentally aware comic book. It was very, very ahead of its time. Um, I, I always say, even back then, I was saying, you know, this was this was about as close as you could get to a mature reader's book because Vertigo wasn't around at that time. It was as much, as close as you could get to a mature book without actually having the mature label. Uh, so much of the '80s was focused on the villain of the month, you know, and then here suddenly was tackling socially relevant issues. I mean, if you looked back at some of the letters that have been published at that time, they were comparing Firestorm to books like Sandman, Animal Man, Green Arrow, and The Question. These were all highly regarded, mature books at the time. Wow. I mean, I missed this entirely. I didn't know about that at all. When, when, do, you, do you have an idea of like when these issues were, like what numbers they were? Uh, yeah, it started with issue 85. Oh, so it was near it, the end of the book. Uh, yeah. Near the end of their book, right? Yeah, it was just the last 15 issues. Oh, okay. It was issue, it was issue 85 through 100. Oh, that's a great question. Thank you. Um, and again, it was it was Ostringer and Mandrake. And it, it really – there weren't even really supervillains per se. It was, like there was this wonderful crossover uh, called the Elemental War where Firestorm – had Firestorm, had Swamp Thing. They had introduced a new water elemental called Nyad. It had Red Tornado in his uh, air elemental form. And it dealt entirely with environmental issues. And, you know, there's, there's this great speech at the end where Firestorm's sort of preaching to the people of Japan about how they're ruining it. Um, gosh, can, it, can I be as nerdy as to read his little soliloquy? Oh, sure, why not? All right. He's floating over Japan, and it's at the end. He goes, I don't know how many of you will understand my words, but I hope they'll be recorded and translated for I speak not only to you, but to all of the people of the earth. For decades, it seems that humanity has made war upon the planet, poisoning the air and the ground and the water, strip mining the earth for ore and the sea for fish, all for what? Short-term goals and gratifications that are never satisfied for long. The earth is resilient, as is the human spirit, but not infinitely so. You must see that you're befouling your own home. You must realize that the survival of humanity is tied to the survival of the planet. You must lift your sights from your vision... So you must lift your sights, your vision, from the mud and see beyond the short term. I tell you that you will not be permitted to kill the planet. You experience today what happens when the planet strikes back. For now, Earth's elementals have called off their war on humanity. We will see if in the future humanity can call off its war on the Earth. Ooh, heavy stuff. Some people said it was preachy. You know, they said, oh, all this stuff. But you know what? This is 20 years ago. This is back before it was cool to be green. Back before everybody had recycle bins. Back before, you know, this is back when, uh, you know, the Greenpeace and all them, they, they were the environmental guys and everyone laughed at them. And now it's, you know, 
saving the environment is just second nature. It's what we do it every day. We think about it constantly. And so John Ostringer was really, I mean, he was ahead of his time. He was making these socially poignant things. And, and in this story, what happened was the elementals were actually attacking humanity because they had messed up the earth so much. Overall, it, it only lasted 15 issues, but it's an incredibly thought-provoking comic. I highly recommend you pick them up. You can probably get them for nothing. I mean, the the price tag on them is not representative of the quality of the stories by any means. That there's arcs where he goes to Africa and he actually meets the African gods. He deals with some environmental issues in um, Pittsburgh. He he fights brimstone in the sun at the end of the arc. It's a, it's really a great run. It's a uh, I, I can't recommend it enough. So, check it out, Firestorm number 85 through 100, and uh, you won't be disappointed. Now, let me can I just play devil's advocate here for a second. Um, so, I'm curious about this, because that's, I, first of all, I never heard of that, Ron. I, I didn't know about that at all. Um, I like John Ostrander. John Ostrander's written, like, a handful of, of Aquaman comics, and mm-hmm. um, they were really good. In fact, I interviewed him for The Shrine, just about, like, basically two books that he wrote, and he was kind enough to to, you know, bother answering my questions, even though, you know, we're talking two stories. <laughs> um, but I just, let me just play devil's advocate for a second, because I've always been a little uncomfortable when they try and do superhero comics about real-world issues, because these characters don't exist in the real world. They can't. And if you try and butt them up against real-world issues, I think it just makes the whole, it can make the whole thing look silly. Because, you know, it's like, well, clearly, you know, Superman can't really exist as an agent of, you know, law enforcement because, you know, (laughs) other countries would object to a guy flying in and out of airspace and making arrests and things like that. Um, So, like, if you were somebody who, like, like the way you're describing the run, it interests me because I I have an interest in environmental causes. And so, to me, you're describing something, and I'm going, huh, this sounds cool. I have to go dig these out, you know, look for them the next time I'm going to cut. But there are people who, you know, like, don't have that feeling. You know, they, people, I mean, you know, not to necessarily um, you know, drag the whole show into, like, an area that, that doesn't necessarily belong. But, like, you know, there are people who don't believe in global warming. There are people who don't believe in, in being environmentally conscious. And, like, if they read those comics, they would read them and be like, what is this? You know, like, I don't read Firestorm for this. I don't read comic books for this. Now, you know, like, did that, do you think that you're, uh, I mean, I'm assuming by the way that you're talking about the run, that you sort of, on some level, agreed with the sentiments expressed. And do you think that if you didn't agree with the sentiments, it would affect the storytelling? Because, like, conversely... Um, if I read a comic book, you know, like, I mean, again, I, I don't necessarily want to, you know, like, t- t- drag the show down another blind alley. But, like, you know, like, my politics are very strong on one side in, in terms of how I think about things. And if I read a comic book that, like, say, took a hard right turn, like the characters sort of started espousing really, really hard right-wing stuff, it would put me off. It would really put me off. It would. I would be like, "Whoa, wait a minute, what am I reading here?" So, do you think that that the stories hold up, even if you maybe are not as quite as on board with the philosophy espoused? Oh yeah, if, you, if you're if you're not on board with the save the planet kind of stuff, you'd hate this. Okay, no doubt about it. Yeah. Okay. Um, 
It's interesting. I'd mentioned just a second ago about there being sort of a Russian version of Firestorm at one point. Right. When Ostringer took over the book, it, this is not a crack at Jerry Conway at all. It, it may sound that way, but it's not intended to. We will but, never say anything bad about Jerry Conway on this show. Right. He, I mean, honestly, it should be St. Conway. I'm not, <laughs> you know. So uh, Ostringer took the book in a more mature direction. And again, not a crack against Conway's run. It's a, I love it. But he took the book in a different direction, even starting with the, with the Russian version. So Firestorm stopped being the fun superhero comic and started being a little bit more of a, a thinking comic, uh, even during the Russian version where nuclear – there's that word again – nuclear <laughs> – <laughs> Nice try, Jay. Nice try. Nuclear, nuclear power and nuclear energy became a, a real concern. They were dealing with the – sort of Cold War issues of Russia versus, uh, or Soviet Union, versus the United States. And so already they were moving in sort of a more mature, politically conscious way. And then came the elemental firestorm, and then it was just, boom, full on. Uh, no more political, but more socially conscious. And, and one of the interesting aspects about this, and you made a good point, like if Superman started doing that sort of stuff, it wouldn't it wouldn't work for you. And and if it had been the regular Firestorm, it probably wouldn't have worked either. If there's a guy sitting here in spandex, you know, with puffy sleeves and, and pointed shoulder pads, it wouldn't have worked. They completely revamped the character. He looked very little like the original Firestorm at all. Right, I remember the redesign. Yeah, I mean his hair is like actually a a, a, main, a flaming mane of hair. Um, he's, he's barefooted. That was kind of a, a, one of their points to make is that to show kind of like he's more of a force. He really was a force of nature. He was no longer a person. He was completely detached from humanity. He didn't transform back into humans at all. He stayed as the elemental firestorm at all times. And he was detached from humanity. He didn't really have a, even though he still was composed of some humans deep down inside, he didn't have conversations with him. They didn't access him. Ronnie was, even though he was inside the elemental firestorm, he was absent from the book. He was just had been absorbed, if you will. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, and so this was a, a very detached, non-human character. Uh, it, it was almost a, uh, you know, uh, I don't want to say alien because he's actually very much of the earth, but he, he was not human at all. He had no understanding of human emotions. He had no understanding of any of it. So he he looked at humanity from a very detached, um, cold point of view, and. In the beginning, I mean, he was really not a friend to humanity. He was ready to go up in the atmosphere, ignite a planet-wide firestorm, and wipe out the Earth and start over again. I mean, he was at that point just based on how far humanity had destroyed the planet. Hmm. It sounds a, it sounds similar to the sort of the path that they took Swamp Thing on. Yeah. I mean, without a doubt, Swamp Thing inspired a lot of this. And, uh, you know, he acknowledged that by bringing Swamp Thing in during the Elemental War. Oh, really? Oh, he's in there, too? Yeah, during the Elemental Wars, Swamp Thing, Firestorm, Red Tornado, and this new character, Nyad, who actually went on to appear in the Aquaman book later on. Oh, right, right, right. Okay. Yep. So, uh, anyway, that, I mean, it's, uh, that was, uh, earlier I was struggling to remember a piece of it, and that was it. Actually, was what I was trying to remember was that, you know, the force of nature aspect and not a friend of humanity. It was really interesting stuff. And I, I've reread it recently, and, you know, it does read like a comic from 20 years ago. However, I think it's a lot more socially aware than most comics you read from 20 years ago. Hmm. So, Have you ever talked to John Ostrander about yeah. Firestorm? Oh, you have? Yeah, okay. actually, yeah, I did a very lengthy interview with him um, just last year, actually. Uh, super nice guy. Oh, my oh, gosh. Oh, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Uh, we talked a good bit about uh, his early years, like before Firestorm, then his run on Firestorm. He actually was... <laughs> 
uh, you know, I'll pull back the veil a little bit. When he and I were emailing back and forth, he was a little nervous. He's like, he's like, that was a long time ago. I don't know if I can remember much. <laughs> but uh, his answers to all the questions were fantastic. And uh, he, he clearly remembered a lot more than he was giving himself credit for. So did uh, did he? I'm going to ask you something about this, like because that's a very that's like a big change for the character. And like you said, it was 85 to 100, which were the last 15 issues of the book. Is that right? Yep. Yes. Okay. Like, did they know the book was being canceled, and he just thought, well, what you know, like what 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 the hell? Let's just do something crazy because it doesn't matter. Or did was the book ongoing and you know, then it got canceled anyway. Um, it was more of an issue of, um, well, first of all, yes, they knew sales were down. However, they were they were beginning to bounce back. Okay. Um, so it's not like sales were in the toilet. It's just they knew that, you know, sales on Firestorm had slowly been eroding for a long time. Okay. And at the time, uh, he wrote this actually in the last issue, issue 100, there's this page-long letter from... Uh, Ostringer about why he's ending the book there. Um, it, what they did, they didn't cancel the book due to sales. John Ostringer said he really felt like he'd written all the Firestorm stories that he could at that point. Hmm. So he wanted to leave the book. They saw it as a clean break since they knew sales were diminishing. Right. That, okay. You know, it's very hard to start with a new writer and get an explosive amount of people to read it on issue 101. Right. So at the time, they were hopeful that they would relaunch Firestorm. DC went a different direction. That didn't happen right then. But um, sales were going down. But that, I don't think the elemental story was a, hey, we're, you know, we, a last ditch, a Hail Mary. It Let's was go, not a right. Hail Mary. Go out in a blaze of glory type thing. Exactly. It was a natural progression of the story and the way he was taking it. Okay. Okay, because I remember like that happened. That's happened with other series is when they like they know they're going to be canceled, and so they say, you know, what the hell? Let's just do some crazy like they did that with uh, when the original Flash book got canceled. You know, they just decided to extend the whole trial story because they knew that they really didn't have the space to start something new. So they just really, started, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what happened. That's okay, why, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's why that story got extended way beyond. What it needed to be, because it, Carrie Bates was told it's going to end at number 350, so, you know, and he's like, well, I don't have, you know, like, I, I'm just making these numbers off the top of my head, where it was like, you know, I have enough trial story to get to 340, so I don't want to start a whole new thing with a couple more issues, so we're just going to extend this trial, which, unfortunately, and and I'm, I'm not speaking on the turn, this is pretty much the general consensus now, you know, 25 years later, like that really was like the knife that killed it because it just got so dragged out and it just, Mm -hmm. you know, and it was a neat story. I think it was a neat idea that nobody had ever done or, you know, had rarely done. Um, But then it just got dragged out to where, you know, like a couple of, you know, you had whole issues that were, you know, taking place over like five minutes you know, and he just, it just got like, what is this? AMC's the killing? I mean, come on. I mean, we're like just going on, just dragging this out and out and out and out. And so. Yeah, it's, it, it's sort of become a punchline for dragging out a story. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I was interested in, in you know, whether you have the, the opportunity to say, you know what? I know the book's canceled, so let's do something crazy. I think that's, that's it. Sometimes you can have some really great stuff come out of that. Yeah, that's true. This was not that case. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Well, like I said, on on uh, on my end, uh, the story I want to the run I want to talk about is very brief. Um, 
Although not that uh, Shag's talking about 15 issues. That's not that long either. But uh, the one I want to talk about is um, Aquaman's... Uh, well, uh, let me do a little bit of brief history um, for people who don't remember or too young to remember. Um, um, Adventure Comics was as close to, like, you know, the way that um, Action Comics is essentially a Superman comic and Detective Comics is essentially a Batman comic. Uh, Adventure Comics was the one one of DC's anthology books that didn't really have a central character. I mean, I guess you could argue that the Legion of Superheroes, that was the star of the book for over 100 issues, was probably their marquee character. But the book never had one single identity in terms of being identified with one character for for decades. Um, And so every time Aquaman's solo book got canceled, he ended up back in Adventure Comics. <laughs> and so he was like he was like a girlfriend that keeps taking you back, <laughs> even though you go out and you're like, oh, I'm going to go find somebody better. And then you go out and you date for a little bit, and then you realize, oh, yeah, there isn't anybody better. And girlfriend, old faithful comes taking you right back. And so every time Aquaman said, I don't need them, I'm shaking the dust off my shoes, and I'm going to go be a solo star again. Adventure Comics said, sure you will, Arthur. We'll, we'll be here when you're ready. And right, so they kept right. taking him back. Yeah. Now, didn't he? I know he appeared in more fun comics originally, but wasn't Adventure where he sort of lived in the back of through most of the fifties? Yeah, it was really his home through the fifties. I mean, he is alongside uh, Green Arrow, um, and of course the big the big three. Um, he is one of five, um, the only five regularly published superhero characters in all of comic books. There's 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 five characters in all of comics that have been continually published for seventy years, and he's one of them. See, I regularly published Re- regularly. Well, published? I you know I mean I get I I don't I guess you have to play fast and loose with that word because when it got to the, <laughs> when it got to the seventies and he was just appearing in Justice League, I right. don't know if you count that as regularly. But in terms of him having his own feature, he had his own feature from. 1941 all the way to 1971 straight didn't miss a single month he was in some book every month for 30 years and there are a lot of characters the flash and green lantern and and uh um oh excuse me movie star green lantern um (laughs) that's a i'm sorry that's a gag for one of our uh the composer of our our theme song at the end dan adams who told me to stop bashing on the Green Lantern movie, which, of course, is going to make me bash it more. Um, <laughs> but anyway, um, you know, like Flash and Green Lantern and Hawkman, all the characters that got revitalized, of course, in the Silver Age, had gone away in the 50s, but Aquaman was still around. Uh, I'm getting off my point. Um, anyway, um, he had uh, a brief run, another brief run in Adventure Comics in 1980. And he had been bouncing around other books, and then he was brought back in Adventure Comics number 475, which came out in uh, cover dated September 1980. Um, it had a uh, that issue has a absolutely gorgeous cover by Brian Bolland. Uh, I mean, I guess that's redundant, really, um, but a particularly really good cover by Brian Bolland. And um, wait, hold on, is that the one where Aquaman's looking in two directions at once? No, no. The cover is—it's you know the one I'm talking about though, with the missiles. Yeah, that—that's that. that okay. This is that run. Okay, that's, that's a that's, that's not, an awesome cover. Yeah, 
Uh, no, this this first cover, uh, the first one is got it's it's sort of a, like a meta cover because it's got the other two stars of the book, Plastic Man, another one of my favorites, Plastic Man, Plastic Man and Starman holding a like a, a replica of the cover itself that this cover is on. So it's all super meta. And Aquaman is bursting through it with water shooting out, and everybody's looking all happy. Um, Plastic Man and Starman look happy to have him, which is strange considering he would basically like sort of take the book from them. <laughs> but uh, everybody's... Is he, jumping, is he jumping through a hoop like a dolphin at SeaWorld, maybe? Or I'm not going to dignify that with a response. Um, <laughs> uh, anyway, as I was saying, Starman and Plastic Man are happy to see him because everybody's a team player in the DC universe. Um so anyway, this was this was uh, his first issue back in the book after I think a, like about a year year or two gone, and it was the first superhero strip written by J. M. Dematius, and yeah, who I am a huge fan of. I always was. Um, he's done a bunch of interviews um, for the Shrine. He's been a great friend to me um, and to the Shrine. So like, you know, I remember reading these comics you know, off the stands in, in 19, uh, 1980. So like, you know, it's so cool that I've got to talk to jam, you know, later on and tell him how much I love these stories. Um, but anyway, it was written by jam Dematius and drawn by Dick Giordano, which nice. is, you know, like classic. I mean, DC never had a house style the way Marvel did, but if there was one guy, I think that you could point to and say, that's a DC style. It was Dick Giordano. Cause he yeah. really never did much for Marvel. So he was DC's guy, and um, James Dematius said that he was so thrilled that his first superhero script was being drawn by Dick Giordano. I mean, that's a huge thing, you know. You're getting one of the D- DC's heavy hitters to draw your to draw your book, draw your uh, stories. Um, and it the it the the run and adventure, unfortunately, <laughs> only ran four issues. Um, it ran from numbers 475 to 478, and then the book got moved over to action. But before we get to that in a second, I'll just talk briefly about why I think this is such a special run. Um, the first issue that he did is called Scavenger Hunt, uh, where um, Aquaman takes on one of his, uh, some of the lesser lights of his rogues gallery, <laughs> the scavenger. Um, but there's this amazing sequence where the scavenger is attacking Aquaman, and there's a page with, let me see, one, two, six, eight panels on it, where the scavenger attacks Aquaman, and Aquaman who is busy trying to find uh, Mira, who has uh, disappeared again, she's always disappearing, um, just, <laughs> just doesn't have any time for this nonsense. He's, he's, well, she, she, she's, she's like Daphne, she's got the red-headed, yeah, know, she's always, yeah, always, you, always in trouble syndrome. you got to nail her to the floor, because otherwise she's going to disappear on you. Um, but it's easy, she's got those big feet. Yeah, there you go. Um, so the scavenger is attacking Aquaman, and he just is like, I am. And he even says, I'm really getting bored. And he zaps the scavenger with some electric eels, breaks into his little craft there, and just smacks him around. And he goes on this wonderful speech about how he was saving the world back when Firestorm and Black Nightling were still in diapers. Shot he there. actually calls Firestorm out? He does. He oh. says, I was in the world-saving game when people like Firestorm and Black Lightning were still in diapers. So there you go. Um and Thanks, ba- fish boy. Yeah, basically. And he just smacks Scavenger around for like four or five panels, which is just fantastic. Um, and that's the that, that's the kickoff to the to the first issue. And it's you know the the story is only about like nine or ten pages. Uh, this was when 
um, superhero comics were, were pretty low page count, so they didn't have a lot of space. Um, and then in the the following issues, um, he meets uh, who he meets a guy who calls himself uh, nothing less than uh, Poseidon, King Poseidon. Um, and one of the things about these stories um, that I love is that they really focus on the character um, of Aquaman. Um, there's a there's a big chunk about um, where one of Aquaman's finny friends, a dolphin, uh, dies in his attempt to help Aquaman fight off this Poseidon guy. And there's this panel where Aquaman, after he deals with Poseidon, he notices the dolphin has died. And he goes off and just holds it and tears up a little bit. And again, you know, not to like over like analyze it or anything, although that's the whole point of this, I guess. Um, it's like, you know, like in 1980, Wolverine was, was getting huge and Frank Miller's Daredevil was really big and, you know, comics were getting, superheroes were getting tougher and nastier and, you know, you had the Punisher and, you know, I enjoyed that stuff. I certainly enjoyed that stuff as much as anybody else. But I was kind of like a sensitive kid. And I think, like, it was one of these elements that really appealed to me. That, you know, Aquaman was the superhero and he could bust heads and had time to, you know, kick around supervillains. But he also deeply cared for his his subjects. You know, his, to you know, call them like his finny friends. But like, and there's a, there's a, a a page in number um, four seventy six where a, there's a giant panel of a huge phalanx of sea creatures swim by Aquaman in a sort of testimony to him, saying, you know, you are our king, you are our leader, and we love you, even though you know maybe some of us will die in 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 your, in your service. And, you know, it's very touchy-feely and, you know, and stuff like that. But but so was a lot of James Mattis' stories. And that's one of the things I love about them. Um, I, I, I got to jump in real quick. You mentioned how it, you know, it got to you. Um, I, I, I'm not going to reference this run specifically, but, you know, he wrote he wrote a run in Dr. Fate. Mm. And that's a great run of books. That run put me in tears. Yeah. And... You know, that's just a good example of the, the power this guy has. I mean, he can do that, and then he can turn around and help write, you know, Justice League International and make you laugh. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. He's an amazing writer. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then they said there's some other sequences that are great where, it's, where um, there's a bunch of um, earthlings that are mad, not earthlings, but the land dwellers that are mad at him, and there's a great point where he's heading into the mayor's office, and this kid throws a brick at him, and... Uh, uh, he grabs the brick without even looking in a very Batman move. Uh, he grabs the brick out of midair, doesn't even look, and just crushes it in his hand and turns around towards the punks that threw it, and they all just kind of look like, oh, um, okay, and they sort of walk away. Um, <laughs> and like I said, it only ran four issues. Uh, in the fourth issue, uh, they bring in Black Mana, inevitably, uh, and anytime you've got an Aquaman story, uh, Black Mana can't be far behind. Um, <laughs> that's then, then that's the one with the cover where he's looking in two directions okay. because there's missiles headed towards New Venice and then Black Man is attacking Atlantis. Um, and as I said all four of these issues were drawn by Dick Giordano, which means they look fantastic. Um, what, was I'm going to keep interrupting you? Was, was New Venice introduced in this storyline? 
I don't know. I think New Venice was done. Yeah, New New Venice had appeared previously. Because um, I I don't remember New Venice ever being introduced. It just it seemed like it was always there, like or it just showed up one day and was there. And I'm like, huh, that's interesting. It's in one of these things. I should know this stuff a little more hard, uh, hard you know, hard by heart, yeah. but I don't. Um, yeah, you should. I'm sorry. Um, Podcast over. All right, I got more questions. Uh, scavenger. All right, let's discuss that for just a second. <laughs> Slipknot. Okay, fine. See, Fair I got point. in Slipknot. I wanted to get in Slipknot. In every episode, I'm going to mention Slipknot. Could have done that a little more cleverly, but okay. Anyway, uh, I'll give you points for catching me off guard. So, Scavenger. How exactly, and I've never understood this, does one rot the sea? I don't get that. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, it's kind of funny. Like, there's only so many villains of, like, whose job it is is to plunder the sea. After a while, you're like, there's nothing left to plunder, fellas. I mean, you've got Black Mana and the Scavenger and the Fisherman and all these guys whose job it is is to plunder the treasure of the sea. After a while, I think they've strip-mined it, you know? Pretty, I mean, there's pretty like, much, There's so much yeah. Aquaman can do. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, so, yeah, so he works in the Scavenger. He works at Mira, has a big, big part of Black Mana. Um, and it said that... It, it ran just four issues in Adventure Comics, and then it got moved over to Action Comics, uh, starting with number 517. And uh, unfortunately, Dick Giordano did not go with it. Um, it was then taken over by Don Heck, who, um, you know, uh, certainly a great comic book artist, never was one of my favorites. Um, and I just, you know, like, I, I could not be a little disappointed just because, you know, I love Dick Giordano, and, you know, to me, it was. He was missed. But nevertheless, um, the first couple issues of Action Comics in 517, 518 were still written by Dematius. So the story continues. Um, it goes on through Action Comics number 520. Um, and there he meets this whole – there's this whole other angle about um, sort of duplicates of – his family, which, again, in case anybody reads this, I don't necessarily want to get into, like, what happens in case you want to read these. Um, oh, I was going to ask about that. Yeah. Okay. Because <laughs> into... my memory of the end of this story is not so hot. Yeah, there's the, the, the final two chapters, which are Action 519 and 520, um get a little more science fiction-y, crazy fantasy-ish, which didn't appeal to me as much because, like I said, in, uh, in the ones in Adventure, um, they're very, like, human. Uh, I mean, yeah, they're, he's facing supervillains and everything else, but they're, the, the main thrust of the story is, is, is the human emotion. And I think that when, they, when he moved to the back of action, it got a little more plot-heavy, and I don't know how much it has to do with the fact that, in, like I said, in the final two chapters, the plots are by J.M. DeMattis, but the scripts are by other writers. Um, uh. One of them is one of them is scripted by Lynn Ween, and then the the, the very the final one at number five twenty is um, scripted by Barbara Zakis, both of whom who would write Aquaman at different points. Um, and so the plot is still by J.M. DeMattis, but I have to think that you know there was a just maybe you know there's a you can't help but notice that. Hey, these these final two chapters maybe don't hold up to the, don't live up to the promise of the early ones, and they happen to be co-written by other people. Um, but you know, there's a lot of craziness going on. Um, but I can't recommend the first four from Adventure Adventure four seventy five, 
76, 77, 78. I can't recommend them enough. And much like you just mentioned with the Firestorm books, um, you can get them very cheap. They're, they're, you know, you can find them, you know, I mean, they're, they're 30 year old comics. So any, any, almost any 30 year old comic is going to be at least a buck or two, but, um, they're not considered valuable, you know, by any sort of overstreet standard. And so um, they're really good. They're, they are some of my favorite Aquaman stories. They cemented my love of James DeMattis' work. And, you know, I wish they were collected somewhere. They probably will have to be grouped into some trade with other stories because, you know, they're, they're, it's four stories of, like, nine pages each. So, right. you know, right. that's, that's not a trade. It's a pamphlet. But, uh, but, <laughs> but they really hold up. And I think they're very human and very emotional, and for those people to whom that appeals to, I think these are these are great, great stories. And it's it's a brief, very brief, but definitely unappreciated run of the character. Now, was this obviously it's after his his nineteen sixty series was canceled? Is it is this before it started back again at issue fifty seven? This is after. This, this is, is after. Okay, yeah. so this is this is after the death of uh, Aquaman or, or Arthur Curry Jr. Then yes, it is. Yes, it is. Okay, this, this was basically. Um, the character's last run in adventure. Um, mm-hmm. te- well, I mean, you could say technically he had one final run when the book Adventure Comics was turned into a digest, and, right. it, was, and it turned into all reprint. I was going to say, yeah, th- those are reprints. Yeah, right? and they went and reprinted the, the Steve Skeets, Jim, Jim Parrow stuff. But this was the last original run of the character in this book. So this was sort of the last hurrah of, of him in Adventure Comics. I mean, him, him in Adventure Comics in the 70s. You know, it's like the 70s was like, you know, stagflation, the streaking crisis, Aquaman and Adventure Comics, and Gerald Ford. You know, like that was like this thing that defined the 70s. <laughs> in my mind, those are the things that define the 70s. Um, yeah, no, no Star Wars at all in there. Oh, I, I forgot to mention that. I'm sorry. I, well, I mean, if we want to get into all the things I love about the 70s, this is that's like a whole other podcast. Cause, <laughs> MASH. Oh, yeah, exactly. You know? All my favorite things basically come from not only 19, 19, not, not only the 1970s, but one year, 1975. There's so many good things in pop culture in 1975. But, again, that's a whole – that's the subject of my other podcast, 1975, it's called. It's coming, <laughs> coming soon. The crazy thing is you've done more than 365 episodes of that thing already. So uh, – I had a lot to say. What can I tell you? Well, was a, thank God it wasn't a leap year. I was able to, you know, uh, or no, it was a leap year. Oh, that joke makes no sense now. Okay, um, so wait a minute. How could 1975 be a leap year? It's 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 every four years. Oh, is that how that? Oh, okay. Well, yeah. uh, the Cherry Hill school system really failed me. Apparently, um, I was going to say. I mean, basic addition subtraction. I mean, oh, look, you listen gotta, to you. Can, Count your minnows, count listen, your listen, dolphins. The There's who, books that using sea creatures that'll help you how to count. The guy who can't pronounce nuclear uh, <laughs> says, it, says it like that, and you're making fun of me for not knowing when leap years are. Like, oh my god, it's jeez, glass houses, Shank. Um, on that note, yes. Yeah, so on, I I <laughs> on that note, I say that Rob and I will go to our respective corners, uh, <laughs> take a commercial break. Cut me, Mick. And, cut me. And then we'll, we'll come back swinging after the, these commercial break. December 7th. Earth 2. 1941. A world very much like our own, yet slightly different. A date which will live in infamy. A world at war. The United States of America was suddenly and deliberately attacked 
by naval and air forces of the Empire of Japan. Following the Japanese sneak attack on Pearl Harbor, President Franklin Delano Roosevelt brought together the largest group of mystery men ever assembled to battle the Axis powers. Tales of the Justice Society of America presents The All-Star Squadron. The Tales of the Justice Society of America, every Friday at twotruefreaks.libson.com. This was Exodum's last hope. I have failed my people, and now they are truly doomed. But life on Earth has been saved thanks to you, Aquaman. And to you, my beautiful queen. folks welcome back to the fire and water podcast we're on the second half tier rob and i have gone to our respective corners we've come out swinging i've thrown some nuclear blasts at him and turned some of his little finny friends into three-eyed mutants and uh we're ready to roll i have to so, take my mouth guard out hold on wait one second okay <laughs> does it taste like fish so um there's been a lot of news about uh, the new 52 obviously but there's been some cool news related to Aquaman and Firestorm. So, Rob, do you want to tell us about Justice League? Yeah, uh, we talked last week about uh, Justice League number one, and we're sort of, you know, complaining a little bit about, or maybe complaining a lot, uh, about that, you know, it doesn't feature the whole team. And that that is definitely, if you look around the web and sift through all the angry comments from people that are, you know, really, really mad about anybody criticizing anything, um, you know, that's like the number one complaint is that like it just didn't feature the whole team, and that that seemed to really stick with people, stick in people's craw, and uh, myself included. Um, but but then I tried to see the positive side and said, well, if the story is going to be really extended, every character when it's introduced is going to get like his own issue, which is fun as opposed to you know everybody appearing in three panels and like oh we're part of the team let's go, and that um, that guess. Uh, that I made uh, seem to be seems to be bearing out because as we've seen the cover to number three is Wonder Woman centric and now they've released the cover to Justice League number four which is entirely an Aquaman cover. I mean, yeah, he you see Superman and Batman and Green Lantern on it, um, but they are looking like they just had their butts kicked by Aquaman, and uh, he's looking a little different. He has like some. He's like some some jewelry on, like some necklaces and things like that, and, and some other accoutrement. But I mean, he's essentially the Aquaman that we all know, um, looking you know quite tough. He's standing there with his trident, standing astride an unconscious Hal Jordan, who de- I'm sure deserves it. Um, 
<laughs> I don't even know what he did, but I'm sure he deserves it. Um, Hal absolutely did. Yeah. He probably, he probably, you know, got caught checking out Wonder Woman and she just decked him. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, so you know, so that's, I'm guessing that means that, that you know, the way that, if again, if we can just go, if we can judge a book by its cover, um, we're going to, we're going to guess that number three is going to be primarily the Wonder Woman issue about, oh, hey, let's, let's get this, you know, hey, it's going to focus on her. And then that's what number four is going to be about Aquaman, which means we're going to have a whole issue of Justice League about Aquaman, which is fantastic. So, you know, yeah, I had my complaints about the story being sort of very stretched out, but it might pay some benefits later on and that there's going to be more space. So, you know, the cup does... Does the description pay off your comment? Like, does the description say it's going to be about Aquaman? It doesn't. They don't have much of a description about... Um, if, if they're, Again, like we mentioned last week about not ruining things, if there's a lot of detail about what's going on in the issue, I haven't read it because I'm purposely trying not to. Um, so I'm just guessing. I mean, maybe it could be wrong. I mean, a lot of, as we've seen with Brightest Day and Blackest Night, you know, a lot of these covers don't represent what's really going on on the inside. Um, that's where I was. That's where I was going. You said if yeah. we judge a book by its cover, well, issue number one. If we judge it by its cover, the entire Justice League should have been. Yeah, in. exactly. So you know, maybe DC's, uh, maybe I'm Charlie Brown and DC is Lucy, and they're going to pull out the football one more time. <laughs> um, but uh, but for now, at least, it certainly seems like he's going to be getting uh, the, the the lion's share of the attention in number four. And uh, you know, obviously, very excited about that. There was a sort of a debate back and forth on the shrine about the merits of the image in terms of the merits of the artwork. And, you know, um, Jim Lee's style is Jim Lee's style. It's certainly very dynamic. Um, anatomically, it's kind of like, what's going on here? Um, but, um, you know, it either works for you or it doesn't. You know, if, if something, there's a million reasons why you can pick something apart if you don't like it. And if you like it, you forgive its trespasses. So it's that kind of, and I just refuse to sort of even engage in that because I just was like, well, it doesn't even matter what I think about the artwork. I'm just happy that he's getting a giant cover to himself. So uh, yeah, yeah. So that was the big, that was like the big to do last week is when they released that image. So it's very exciting. That is very exciting. Um, it looks like a great. Now that is the Jim Lee cover, right? Now there's a variant by somebody else. Have we seen what that is yet? No, I haven't seen the variant yet. No, the okay, one, the one I'm talking about is the Jim Lee one. I'd be interested to see if a variant's also about Aquaman. So. Hmm. But uh, I think that's very exciting. Aquaman is... I'm really interested to see what the differences are, like the jewelry and if that's leading somewhere. Um, you know, it's just curious to see what changes he's going to make to the character that don't... that aren't still around five years later. Right. Yeah. You know? So has he got, like, a puka shell necklace on? And, you know... <laughs> It's got the Hawaiian hang loose or something, you know. Or... <laughs> He's got Ron John or whatever that thing is. Right. He's absolutely wearing Ron Johns. He absolutely has to be, you know, board shorts and everything. So, uh, I was going to jump in real quick uh, with a little bit of Firestorm news, if that's okay. Sure, yeah. Absolutely. Go right ahead. It's a, you know, we stand right now about one week out from the release of Firestorm number one and Aquaman number one. And just today, I've, I've actually been on the road all day, but they... They released some images, sneaked some images, I should say, uh, related to Firestorm. They've released these really cool little close-up shots of, like, just uh, Firestorm's eyeball. And it says, uh, the world is watching the fury of Firestorm. It's a teaser image. You know, one of them appears, the one that features with Ronnie's eye appears on Comics Vine. It's like DC 
It, it, well, at first, Gilderace and R put it on his Facebook and his Twitter, then he very quickly pulled it down. So <laughs> clearly DC had an intention to leak these. So they, they, they sent it to Comics Vine, and Comics Vine got to show it exclusively. There's another one that got and shown Mr. exclusively. Mr. Sinar uh, ended up with broken hands accidentally. I don't know how that happened. Right. Absolutely, his editor. Um, I, no, you don't break the hands, not not the hands of the artist. Uh, maybe he broke a leg or something. So he's over in, in Turkey with, in nursing his broken leg right now. Um, and if he's listening to this, please understand we're just kidding. <laughs> we love your artwork. Um, and there's another one, another teaser that got leaked. Uh, you know, when I say leaked, I mean, DC did it on purpose, but it's, uh, it's another one. But this one's Jason's Eye, and it says the world is watching in the fury of Firestorm. As the day September twenty eighth two thousand eleven, which is kind of cool, it's kind of a neat excitement way to, way to build the excitement. So that got uh, released today, the same day as the uh, solicitation for issues number four of everything. So both Firestorm and Aquaman got their solicitations released for number four today. Very nice. And the Firestorm one is pretty cool. Uh, it's a neat image of some new nuclear character that we don't know yet. But there is some Russian writing on the cover, so I'm personally I'm kind of hoping it is a former Firestorm entity. Uh, one of the people that used to form Firestorm was Russian, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, you know, like 16 hours ago when we started this thing. And his name's Mikhail Arkadin, and I'm really hoping that this is Mikhail Arkadin. Perhaps he's one of the uh, these multitudes of Firestorms. So, fingers yeah. crossed. Who who created the Mikhail Arkadin character? Uh, John Ostringer. Oh, that's John Ostringer? Okay. I'm just yep. curious because um, I'm a big uh, Orson Welles fan, and there's, uh-huh. a, there's a 1950s Orson Welles movie called Mr. Arkadin. And I have, hmm. I just wonder whether, like, there's any connection there because that's a very unusual name, you know, Arkadin. Yes. I, hear the, I hear the word Arkadin, and that's the first thing I think of is, is that Orson Welles movie. And I, I'll have to, maybe I'll have to ask Mr. Ostringer myself just, just for my own edification if that's where he took it. The man's incredibly intelligent, so it's quite possible. Yeah, it's a great uh, and He likes to slip things in. And then I've got one last thing, and this is insider information that I'm probably not supposed to have. Oh, boy. But somebody, uh, one of my, uh, I believe our term is minions. Um, one of my minions was at a convention this weekend with Gail Simone, and information was either overheard or asked, or I'm going to be vague. I'm trying to be vague here. Anyway... Uh, Gail Simone did confirm to this person that Professor Stein will play a role in the new Firestorm book. That's been a big question because we, we've seen Ronnie, we've seen Jason, and the question is, is, what about the Professor? Clearly he's not part of Firestorm, but will he be around? And she has confirmed that, yes, Professor Stein will play a role, which is very exciting for me because Professor Stein is quite possibly um, my favorite character in the whole Firestorm shebang. Interesting. I was going to ask if you're happy about that. Obviously you are. Yeah, we'll have to. That that's a whole thirty, forty minute discussion someday about why I love the middle aged guy. <laughs> the whole separate Martin Stein podcast that you're working on. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. It's uh, it's called Martin Stein, nineteen seventy five. Absolutely. You're gonna work on that right after we finish the um, Slipknot Fun Time Hour. That was the other show exactly. we were working on. Exactly. That's gonna be awesome. I, I, that show. I thought we agreed to call it the uh, All Star Slipknot. But. No, well, oh, we'll talk about it off here. Uh, okay. He's getting uncomfortable. Uh, so, yeah, that's very exciting. Um, it's interesting when you think about, um, like, how, you know, they say that movies, you know, have taken 
um, in terms of their storytelling, a lot of their storytelling cues from comic books. Certainly they've taken the properties, um, you know, like things that comic books used to be able to do exclusively, movies can do now. And now movies look and feel a lot more like comic books. And then conversely, in terms of the marketing, that's mm-hmm. flipped. Because now you've got teaser images and all this. I mean, you know, I mean, this was, of course, back in the days when it was just fanzines. You didn't have the, the ability to, like, leak information. But it was just funny that, you know, like, you're talking about a comic book that comes out in a week and a half. And there's, you know, teaser images. It just mm-hmm. reminds me of a lot the way they used to, you know, the way they market movies. It's the same yeah. thing. It's like, oh, here's a little thing. Here's something to build excitement, blah, 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 blah. As opposed to, you know, in the old days, comic books just came out. You know, there right. wasn't much. Right. You maybe heard one thing about, oh, oh, look, look, Luthor's back this month. Great. Um, but, <laughs> you know, now it's 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 all sneaks and, and stuff like that. It's, it's sort of interesting they've borrowed from one another. Well, it's kind of surprising it took this long. I mean, you, you'd think someone would be like, um, you know, kind of knocking on the door within the office building. Hi, you know, I'm, I'm Bob from Warner Brothers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you, know, the cor- a, you know, your corporate ha- overlords? Right. Let's have a talk. You know, yeah. I mean. <laughs> so that, I think, wraps up our news for this time. And you had something you want to talk about? Uh, yeah, I just want to take another assignment. Like I said, it's, it's, this is pro- episode is probably going to be titled... Uh, uh, blind alleyways because we keep talking about sort of other topics. We let off with our talking about our hair and we <laughs> got into talking about politics. Um, so we're going to take another brief diversion, um, ironically, in the episode where we talk about our mission statement and, and we're going <laughs> to veer off from it. Um, but I just wanted to mention something that, 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 that's gone on and sort of affected me and, and affected a lot of people. Um, most people that have seen the news knows that uh, Waters Books has gone out of business. Um, this was announced back in July that the, the store, the chain, was entering into liquidation, and because um, uh, it was, you know, going to go out of business. And the hammer finally fell on all the stores um, last week. Over the space of the last two weeks, all the stores are basically closed down in, in succession. And uh, I worked at one of those orders. I worked at one in, for seven years, uh, quite a long time. Um, I, uh, you know, I was sort of debating whether I should even mention this on the show because, you know, I don't know. I, I just didn't know if it was necessarily appropriate or anybody wanted to hear it. But um, anybody that's followed the shrine for a number of years knows that, like, how I make my living, which is as a freelance artist. I mean, as... Uh, I mentioned earlier, and Shag referred to, like, I went to the Kubert School, you know, wanted to be an artist my whole life. And I've managed to do that. Um, but there were times where being a self-employed freelance artist is uh, not the easiest way to make a living <laughs> by any stretch of the imagination. And there were times in my life where I had to supplement my income with some other type of job. And that happened a couple of years ago, and I ended up working at Borders, and I didn't have any intention of staying there for seven years, but, um, you know, things happen, or, or things don't happen, however you want to put it. Um, I ended up getting health insurance through Borders, which was a huge uh, money saver. Um, Borders was very generous with that. I mean, I guess you could blame me for the chain going out of business. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's, all, it's all my fault. Um no, they were very generous in terms of allowing part-timers to have health insurance. And uh, for someone who had to pay for that out of his own pocket, um, it was pretty remarkable. And so anyway, I worked there for seven years. And 
for the longest time, I was sort of, like, ashamed of working there. And I don't mean ashamed, like, that the job was bad. In fact, the job was really good uh, for, the, for the kind of job that it was. But ashamed that, you know, like, when you think of yourself as a creative person or as an artist and you're not making money doing that and you're doing something else for your money, it's a real ego shot, you know? You, you, you sort of tell yourself, I'm an artist. Well, then why are you stocking books? You know, that kind of thing. Um, but you, you know, you, you got to do what you have to do. Um, and in terms of, except in terms of the kind of job that it could have been, um, in terms of working for a corporate structure, um, it was a very nice, they were, it was a, it was a nice place. And the people that worked there were fantastic. And these are people that I have come to socialize with outside the store, which, you know, was surprising because like I said, I, almost kept orders at, a, at an arm's length for almost six of the seven years I was there. I sort of, you know, just didn't want to be there. Uh, I didn't want it to have any impact in my life outside of the hours I was there. Um, and I'm very sad the chain is out of business, uh, partly because, you know, it's hard, it's hard to it's hard to find books, you know. Uh, there's only a couple of places now we can go to get books, Absolutely um, true. Is, it's sad. It's a sad thing. Um, I also worked at a video store before I worked at Borders years ago, so I am like the Grim Reaper of... <laughs> could, could you work in reality TV? Yeah, re- do, <laughs> do, do you mind just to kill that off, too? Yeah, I'm going to go work for the Republican Party next. Um, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, the icy hand of death. Um, anyway, the whole point of, of mentioning this was just to say that, you know, um, there were times where, um, like, it was my job to stock the magazines, and that meant comic books. And when I was mm-hmm. a, when I was a kid, um, I used to watch the news vendors stack, st- put the comics in the racks. And of course, the news vendors didn't care about the comic books, so they would like beat them up, and the spines would get bent. And you know, I used to be like, "Oh no, don't do that! Don't, don't, don't do that!" Um, so I made it a point that when I was stocking the comics, I treated them with loving care. <laughs> right. I put them in the spaces they're supposed to be, and I grouped the kids' comics with the kids' comics and the, you know, the Marvel titles with the Marvel titles and the DC with the DC. Now, that said, there were some days where I just had to get it done, and maybe I wasn't as gentle <laughs> as I should have been. So uh, I have met the enemy, and I am him. Uh, I, I mm. now have a, a appreciation for those harried news vendors of old. Um, but anyway, I was just... I just want to take a little bit of time out to say, um, rest in peace, Borders. It was a, a good chain, a great chain, stocked with uh, great people, and it's a shame that it, it's not going to be around anymore because you know it performed a valuable service. So, um, and I know you had something you uh, wanted to mention on this topic as well. Well, I just I I'm a big fan of bookstores. I actually I don't know if I've ever told I don't think I've ever said it on the podcast, but I think you know I, I used to manage a comic book store. And did it for four years. And one of the stores was also a bookstore. So I have a particular love for stocking books, you know, all, every aspect of being part of a bookstore environment. I love it. And in Borders, it, the only benefit to me of Borders leaving is my neck. I, I can probably stop seeing a chiropractor because <laughs> I, I've had a pain in my neck for the last several years from keeping my head at that tilted angle where you can read the spines of all the graphic novels, uh, all the comic book graphic novels as, you, as you're standing there. Uh, <laughs> that permanent tilt the right, if you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, all, all joking aside, 
end result is, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sad to see Borders go. It's, it's my favorite of the, sorry, it was my favorite of the Uh bookstores. I know it, it hurts me to say it too. I mean, seriously, when, when I had free time, I would just go to Borders and walk around, you know, and just to be part of the atmosphere of books. It's, it's a, it's a tactile sense, memory, all these different things tied into one place. And, and it's, uh, I'm really going to miss it. So, yeah, and I'm, yeah, and I'm very, and I'm very sorry for how it's affected your life. Yeah, yeah, it's it was tough. you know, like I said, it's uh, it it it, it uh, bothered me more than I thought it would in terms of the emotional aspect of it. And we went home. We all had kind of a nice part at our store. We we wrapped it up on a Monday, and then we also had like a a wake on Tuesday where we were all there hanging out in the back and brought food and beer and whatnot, and that was a lot of fun. And we all stay in touch on Facebook and everything else, but. Um, and you know it was it was fun because like some of the work that I did like I've done a couple of book covers and CD mm-hmm. and CD covers like we had them at the store. <laughs> so I mean it was fun to like walk by this one section and be like hey there's my book with my cover on it. <laughs> you know like that was fun. Mm-hmm. Um, that is really cool. Yeah. So you know it, it was a it was a fun thing and and I will just mention make one mention of the um, graphic novel section uh, in orders that uh, Shag mentioned is. Uh, Every for for about two years, it was my job to every Sunday straighten that section out because comic book fans are the most disorganized people in the world. And <laughs> second, if I, second only to nurses, apparently in terms of the sections getting messed up, um, which is troubling. I don't want a messy nurse. That's um, scary. Yeah, um, but man, I fixed that comic book section every Sunday, and then I'd come back in, and it would be messed up all over again. So uh, that I won't miss. Uh, pulling out the V for Vendettas in the middle of the Batmans and pulling out Preachers in the middle of Justice Leagues. And, you know, we can't let little kids see Garth Ennis stories. That's, that's not going to work. So it's, it's like it's like cross-filing when you go to the comic store yeah. and they're nice enough to put a comic in there because they think you'll like it. It's like, well, you read Justice League. We thought you might like Preacher. Yeah, exactly. Uh, here's this Black Hood. No, um, so, so anyway, uh, that's just our little, our little tribute to Borders. Uh, uh, rest in peace, uh, Borders Books and Music. So uh, finally, uh, we're gonna do uh, we're gonna do listener mail again. Um, I was about to say that proving to be one of our most popular segments, but I have no idea because uh, we only did it in the previous episode, and not too many people mentioned the specific li- listener mail thing. But I don't care. I enjoyed it. I know Shag enjoyed it, and so we're gonna keep doing it. Um, so absolutely, absolutely. No, we got we got a, here. We got a letter specifically addressing the letter segment. It did said, we? "Gosh, Mr. Kelly." That was like the greatest podcast oh, ever. You guys are the best. Your pal, Little Russell Burbage. Little Russell Burbage. That's so sweet. I think he's nine now. It's wonderful. Uh, yes, I appreciate that, Little Russell. Oh, did, did he have a birthday? He oh, that's did. great. <laughs> yeah. happy, happy birthday, Little Russell. There you go. Um, uh, so anyway, we, so we have a couple of, of letters we want to read. Um, Shag, do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? Sure, I'll go first. Okay. Um, we've... Now, by the way, folks, thank you again for all your wonderful comments. We've still got comments coming in on the first episode, so we're going to be kind of reading comments from both the first episode and the second episode. So this one is from our good buddy Doug, who has a mysterious last name that I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce uh, unless you know how to say it because I can't. I believe it's a wizard. Wow. It sounds like Zatanna. It's uh, fantastic. You know. She's tripping. It's uh, Doug Z, as far as I'm concerned, folks. He Doug's great. He writes for comic book resources. He runs a Doom Patrol blog and also a Red Tornado blog. So he's part of the family. <laughs> That's <laughs> making our blogs in comparison 
look like uh, just desperate attempts to be popular. <laughs> All right. Doug writes, the subject line, awesome. Uh, hey, guys. I just wanted to drop you a line to let you know that you have risen to the almost top of my podcast listening. Almost? Almost. Really, Doug? Really? You're going to write in with that? Uh, I drive 30 by... <laughs> Made myself laugh. Uh, I drive 35 minutes to and from work each day, so podcasts have become my friends. You guys are right behind the Aw Yeah podcast. I'm about... Who are these off... What? Tell you what, Rob, me, you, road trip. We're taking out these Aw Yeah guys. That's right. And we're going to beat up Art Baltazar. There, I said it. All right. Uh, I'm about midway through your first episode, and I like what I'm hearing. It's like listening in on a conversation with you guys, which I guess is what it truly is. I look forward to hearing your assessments of the new 52, gentlemen. Take care and keep plugging away. Doug Z. Thank you, Doug. That was nice. Mm-hmm. He's a, he's a really great guy, and he's a big Firestorm fan. I, I, don't, I hear he doesn't like Aquaman. Though. Oh, stop it. What are you, you're always trying to pit people against one another, and it's, it's not pretty. In fact, he thinks... Yeah, yeah, because I'm the only one who does that. Yes, yeah, you are the only one who does it. Uh, Doug actually thanked me and the Shrine in his Hawkman book that he did for Tomorrow's because we helped out with some information. So uh, I was very – I think that's the first time the Aquaman Shrine like, was ever mentioned in print but uh, other than by me. So like that was, that was like a great little moment to see the Aquaman Shrine mentioned in the back of a, an actual book. My, my favorite – okay, this is off subject, but my favorite is when you got mentioned in Wizard. And uh, Wizard. Didn't you get mentioned? Or where like I had a little picture of Aquaman figure or something no, like Toy that. Toy Fair, Toy Fair, oh, Toy Fair. I'm sorry, what's yeah. the same thing? And, and it had Aquaman saying something like, "Wait till this gets mentioned on the shrine." I love that. That was such that was a, awesome. I sat. I I was sitting here on the chaise, uh, the chaise lounge, reading that, and my head. I was like, "What?" <laughs> you know, I thought it was in like the <laughs> Twilight Zone. I was like, "This is meta." I'm reading a magazine that mentions a thing. In the magazine, <laughs> I was like, so then of course I scanned it in and posted it on the shrine. So I've got, you know, a page on the shrine mentioning a, a page on the shrine featuring a toy mentioning being on the shrine. <laughs> right, absolutely. <laughs> the MC Escher of uh, of Aquaman shrine posts. Um, so yeah, that was really cool. But yeah, I really appreciated Doug uh, mentioning the shrine in the in the credits to his uh, very fine Hawkman book by by Tumara. Oh, you know, what? I'm so, uh, he does a video podcast thing too it's like a video review oh, does it? yeah it's oh crap i'm blanking doug you can write in and tell us it's a it's something.tv i want to say it's anyway it's, it's hilarious so it's out to, there folks. all right we'll have to find that out and mention it in the next show um so anyway i have an email to read this came on our um the itunes page it was an itunes review um which we really appreciate the itunes reviews um five stars which is great um, by somebody named Count Druncula, which is a fantastic <laughs> name. Um, and the header, the headline is, Finally, a podcast specifically for the dual Aquaman Firestorm niche market. <laughs> the, the iTunes page dripping with sarcasm. Um, if you're fed up, this is great. He really, went, uh, he really wrote this thing. If you're fed up with the endless discussions of analyses of Batman, Spider-Man, and other so-called popular and, quote, successful, unquote, superheroes, this podcast is for you. Aquaman, King of the Seven Seas, and Firestorm, the Nuclear Man of the... the, I just realized he wrote, Firestorm, the Nuclear Man of the Seven Seas, are are given their proper love and respect from show host Rob and the irredeemable Shag, possibly an alias. Um, Uh, Really, that's my birth name. It's a family name. 
should yep. rock it. Um, comic fans, geeks, and other social misfits will rejoice at the ban- We got to get this guy on the show. Uh, at the banter and reportage dished out by the podcast equivalent of Siegfried and Roy. That, I don't, I don't know about that one. If you're like me and you grew up wanting to talk to fish like Aquaman or set your head on fire like Firestorm <laughs> or place your hand with a harpoon like Aquaman or wear puffy sleeves like Firestorm and maybe some kind of alternate universe pirate version of Aquaman, you're just wasting time <laughs> reading this review. Subscribe to the Fire and Water podcast already. Fan the Flame Firestorm fans. Ride the Dolphin Aquaman Shriners, which is fantastic. <laughs> so I don't know who Count Druncula is, but he's he's fantastic. Um, I'm going to have to award him like an honorary foam certificate just for that review if he's not already a foam member. But I'm guessing I, he is. I suspect he's someone named Ryan. Because, oh, really? Okay. Because uh, someone named Ryan posted on your blog, or maybe it was my blog, um, and they used the same line, fan the flame, Firestorm fans, ride the dolphin. Oh, maybe. Okay. Stripes. Well, I'll have to, whoever that is, you should out yourself because, you know, you deserve some sort of award for that. That, that is hysterical. Uh, I wanted to give a shout out to a good friend of ours, uh, Frank, from the, well, the multitude of blogs he does. He does a Martian Manhunter blog, which is the idol head of, I'm saying it wrong again, Diablo. Um, I think you're getting that right. A, what's that? I think you're getting that right. Yeah, we'll just pretend I am. Yeah. He writes an an Adam blog, Justice League Detroit blog, a Wonder Woman blog, um, a DC Bloodlines blog. Uh, he has his own called Nerg. I mean, he's got so the guy is a blogging machine, and they're all entertaining and hilarious. And he must he, have, been, he must have something deeply, deeply missing inside of him that he's trying to <laughs> fill with all these blogs. Uh, maybe so, but I hope I hope he continues to have a missing hole because his blogs are great and everyone should read them. So, uh, but I just wanted to give a shout out to him because he's been very kind and he's given us very th- thorough point by point comments. I'm not going to read them now because they're sort of taking him out of reference from the show. It wouldn't really make sense. And also, Frank's I mean, he's partially crazy. I mean, let's just say it, but it's out there, you know, and uh no, but he's been really nice, and he's given us, like, point-by-point comments on every show, and it's like, wow. I mean, he's, he's listening, he's clearly taking notes, and uh, he's really engaged as a listener, and I really appreciate that. Thank you, Frank. Yeah, that was, uh, that was really good. Um, also, I'm going to go through a couple, a couple... You just pandered to him, man. That was cold. Oh, there you no, like, oh, I didn't mean to Oh, at all. Frank, that's, that's really good, Frank. <laughs> that, is a, that was a fantastic impersonation of me, by the way. That's, you like that? That was, yeah, like, that was actually... That was actually my FDR impersonation. That was too. good. Yes, that's the other thing we want to get into. This. I do want to mention in every show we want to mention Slipknot, and I want to do my FDR impression. So I think I might read um, one of these uh, comments from Twitter, and I'm going to read it in a um, in a FDR voice, uh, just because right. we can. Um, so we have uh, we have a Twitter message from Charles Bernard. <laughs> I should put a pen in my mouth so I have, like, the cigarette thing that he had. Um, At Firestorm Fan, just listen to the Fire and Water podcast. Very well done. Can't wait for the next one. There. That's pretty good. Kill some Nazis. That's fantastic. Well, thank you very much, Charles. That was great. Uh, Got a quick comment here from on one of our blogs from Dave Z. Um, (laughs) This is sort of... Dave knows far too much about me, uh, but uh, (laughs) congrats on the new podcast, Shag. I knew it was only a matter of time. I'm guessing the Dr. Fate and Blue Devil podcast won't be far behind. Uh, I would love a Dr. Fate podcast, personally. I, uh, I, my love of characters is sick. Um, 
my, my top five favorite characters and superhero characters are uh, Firestorm, Aquaman, you know, oh, we're already at a sad sack sort of situation there. Then you add in Blue Devil and Dr. Fate. Um, I really can't win. You know, I, I can't pick a winner at all there. If you, ever, then, if, you're, if you ever do a Dr. Fate podcast, you really need to put, like, a helmet on your head and do the whole show from there. <laughs> <laughs> Just... Hello, welcome to the yeah. Hell of the Taboo. Um, and finally, my other favorite character is Flash, who actually somehow manages to keep a series going. There you every go. Other, every other character I follow has uh, more canceled comics than just about anything. In fact, in that song by uh, Ukla the Mock about how Aquaman has more canceled series than Dr. Fate, I about fell out of my chair laughing so hard. At I, yeah, I think Dr. Fate doesn't deserve that kind of abuse. He's, you know, he, he's, he's really cool. I think he's really cool. He is really cool. I mean, anybody can make a giant freaking onk and turn it in, weaponize a giant onk. I mean, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I have one other one that I wanted to read. This is from, uh, again, from iTunes. Again, you know, I appreciate, uh, we had a bunch of iTunes comments. Um, Joe Joe Mello wrote a great one. Um, um, five. He gave us five stars, so we really appreciate that, Joe. Um, but the one I wanted to mention um, specifically, oh, shoot, now it's disappeared in front of me. Um, you know what, Shag? I'm going to vamp for a second so I can find it. And why don't sure. you read another one and then I'll find it. Absolutely. Um, let me see here. Uh, we've got some stuff from, uh, Cynical. Actually, uh, this isn't about the podcast. He's just kind of talking about some things we talked about. Oh, that's, Cynical. that's, that's Dan Adams, just so you know, the composer of our theme. He's, his, his, oh. his handle is, his middle handle is like Cynical. So that's Oh, him. cool. Okay. I like how he does it too with the question mark. Um, and this, again, this isn't about the podcast, specifically about some of the topics we've talked about. It says, I guess I'm in the minority here, but Hal Jordan for life. I was beyond stoked when he returned a few years back. Then again, Hal's my all-time favorite comic character. My top three are Hal, Aquaman, and Hawkman. I was glad to hear Carter Hall getting some love on the podcast. So I think what we have proven here is that Cynical is an excellent songwriter, but has bad taste in characters. <laughs> uh, Aquaman... Uh, Aquaman or Aquafan ninety eight says, "I love Aquaman. Probably one of the biggest in the world." I don't know what that means. Uh-huh. I think he means. I think he means he's probably one of the biggest fans. Of yes, the world. I think so. He's short and we'll, sweet. We'll take that as red. Yeah, okay. absolutely. He says, "Also, I love this podcast and I love both your websites." So, Aquafan, you know, thank you. That's fantastic. We yes. appreciate that feedback. Absolutely. Oh, great! I found the one I wanted to read. This was on iTunes. Uh, this is from someone named Ed the Unique Geek. Uh, so I imagine it's somebody that Shag knows. Um, this is his comment. Uh, Fanning the Flame. I love Firestorm. I really could care less about Aquaman. <laughs> 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 but this podcast is great fun, even when they talk about Aquaman. And now everyone else who bothered to leave us a review, uh, Little Russell Burbage, Joe Mello, Dennis Doucette, uh, the actor William Powell, Cal Druncula, um, they all gave us five stars. Ed gave us four stars. What? Ed knocked a star off, and I'm only going to assume that we lost the star because we talk about Aquaman so much. Now, I have to explain to Ed, and I'm going to do it, I'm going to say it slowly so he can understand what I'm saying, um, is it's an Aquaman Firestorm podcast. Uh, what did you think the show would partly be about? Um, I really <laughs> don't complain to ESPN when I download the ESPN baseball radio podcast that they talk about baseball so much. Um, the show is half Aquaman, half Firestorm. And so 
substituting us losing a star uh, because we talk about Microsoft much is really not fair, and you're just dragging down the average, and you're really uh, basically, in my opinion, uh, smacking in the face Count Druncula, William Powell, Dennis Decide, Joe Mello, and Little Russell Burbage, who bothered to give us five stars. So I, um, I take particular issue to this because uh, Ed, the unique geek, I take particular issue with this because Ed, the unique geek, slept in my friggin' house this past weekend. Oh he my! In my own house, and he wow. gives me four stars. That That's is, not cool. That is cold. Oh, oh, oh! And check this out. He gave me this nice backhanded compliment while we're hanging out, right? He goes, "Oh, by the way, Shag, yeah, I listened to your podcast on the way up. Yeah, they're really good. That Rob guy's really funny." Well, thank you, Ed. I, well, now, no, 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 now no, I'm you, you sense what's not said there now about me. Wow, ouch. Yeah, you know. Uh, so you know, thanks, Ed. You know, twenty years of friendship. Yeah, forget it. We're done. No. I'm done with you. It's over now. Oh, that's oh boy, the podcast tearing people apart. I'm sorry. I mean, any man who, no exaggeration, marries my wife and I. You know, he performed the service. What? Then, oh, oof, I thought you meant something else. I was getting weird. Whoa! No, 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 nothing <laughs> like that. No, he he. I he thought was you were. The, were he, you in Utah? What's going on here? He performed the service that married my wife and I. Oh my and, god! Uh, wow. and, and he gives us four stars. That is really. Yeah. Now, now, folks, just for those of you out there, if, if you do choose to give us four stars or less, that's perfectly fine. You're allowed to do it. But if you've been a friend for 20 years, just know we're going to call you out on the show. Yeah, I mean, you know, you can – yeah, exactly. You know, come on. You can't give us the one more star. It's not going to hurt you. What's the difference? You know, what is, is, is Ed the Unique Geek afraid of his good name, his good name being dragged through the mud on iTunes? For God's sakes. <laughs> you know? Jeez. So a little harsh, but that's okay. We have – um, apparently, some other people left us some star ratings, and they all left us five ratings. So we really appreciate it. And um, you can already see the results of that because, like, if you go and just do kind of like a general, um, like, there are lots of shows with the words "fire and water" in the title. But if you just type "fire and water" in iTunes search, like, our show pops up right near the front. So that's great. And that, I have to say that I, I'm sure that's because if there's activity, like, we've put up two episodes in a very short period of time. And we'll be putting up this third one. And then we've got all these uh, nice reviews. So thanks to everybody except for Ed. Um, <laughs> we really appreciate it. And, you know, Ed, I don't know what to say. I, uh, I'm just I'm, – I'm very disappointed in you. I don't know you, but I'm disappointed in you. So. Now, by the way, you don't actually have to be logged into iTunes to leave those reviews. You can just go out. You can go to the iTunes page without even having to open the iTunes application. So if you're someone who doesn't use iTunes – you can still leave an iTunes review. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so since that's – I think that's about it for this episode. Um, like I said, we sort of wanted to fit one more in before the big uh, uh, tw- uh, September 28th release of uh, Aquaman number one and Fury of Firestorm number one. Um, so in the meantime, uh, uh, Shag, where can we find you and Andor Firestorm on the internet? Uh, you can find it at firestormfan.com. That is the headquarters for all things Firestorm. We're also on Twitter with the handle simply firestormfan. Pretty straightforward. And I am very pleased to announce that just this week, uh, we, when I say we, I mean me really, I'm the only guy doing it, but um, we've launched a f- Facebook page. Woohoo! Um, 
you could get the feed through Facebook before, but it was rather cumbersome and hard to get to. Now we have an official Facebook page. It's called Firestorm Fan. It's out there, and I'd love for you to stop anyone to stop by and like the page. And uh, that is where, you know, between Twitter between and the site and Facebook, I think you can pretty much find us anytime you need to. Absolutely. Um, where yeah. do you find Aquaman Shrine? Uh, the Aquaman Shrine is www.aquamanshrine.com. Uh, you can find us on Facebook and on Twitter, and we have the uh, iTunes app, which you can uh, download, of course. Um, one other thing I just wanted to mention in terms of plugging, um, this Sunday, um, this episode... Uh, is going to. I'm not exactly sure when we're going to be posting it, but it's going to be um, sometime around the 20th, 21st, 22nd. So I can I can safely uh, give out this date. Um, a couple days uh, from now is going to be September 25th, which is Aquaman's 70th birthday. And when I say birthday, I don't mean the birthday that DC has chosen to give him, which is like January. Um, his birthday, in terms of that, is the day his first appearance hit newsstands, September 25th, 1941. So wow. He, yes, he will be 70. Uh, this so, so wait a minute. That's actually the day the comic hit the stands? Yes. Or, or the cover day? No, that's the day it hit the stands. How does somebody know that? I don't know. I got it off of uh, Mike's Amazing World of DC Comics website, oh. which is like truly lives up to its title. I mean, yeah, that I mean, site he's... is just startling. He's the authority. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. And so, right, I just decided, I mean, if Mike is wrong, then I don't want to be right because, uh, <laughs> you know, he does such a good job on that on that, on that that um, site that I'm like, I, you know what, if he says it's that's the date, then it's the date. Um, but anyway, that is uh, Aquaman's 70th birthday. Um, so we, the Shrine, is putting together a very special post for that day. Normally we do um, Adventure Sundays where we look back at an old Golden Age uh, adventure comics story starting uh, starting the Golden Age uh, Aquaman, but we're going to postpone that for the week, and we're doing a very special birthday post which will feature a dare I say it who's who of uh, <laughs> people that have worked on Aquaman over the years. I don't want to like oversell it. Uh, it's probably just the best damn single post on any blog ever in history. So you know, um, but anyway, it's very special. We're very proud of it. It, it was. Uh, Months in the making. Um, so we hope that um, everyone comes by the shrine that day and enjoys it and celebrates and uh, maybe leaves a comment to acknowledge that you came by. And um, I know we hope you enjoy it. It's a big, it's a big special day, and it's it's amazingly perfectly timed that Aquaman turns seventy three days later, and then three days later he's getting his own series again. Um, it's kind of an amazing week that it all just timed out the way it did. So uh, please stop by the Shrine on uh, – I want you to stop by the Shrine every day. But especially please stop by on September 25th to uh, enjoy the festivities. That's so cool. Yeah, it will be a lot of fun. It'll be, I think it will be a lot of fun. So uh, anyway, this, that is the end of this episode of the Fire and Water podcast. Uh, we thank you as always. We thank you for listening and leaving comments and uh, – we definitely hope you come back for the next episode, which will absolutely be after <laughs> September. <laughs> we're not going to fit another one in. Um, Shag has kids and stuff like that. So uh, we're going to definitely do the next one after September 28th, which will be the debut of Aquaman number one and the Fury of Firestorm number one, when we'll have lots of, lots of stuff to talk about. Um, so until it's then. Fair, it's it's oh. fair to say that episode will have spoilers. Yes, absolutely. Well, I think we're going to end up doing it a couple, at least a couple of days after the, the books hit the stand, so everybody's a chance to read them. But, yeah, they will definitely be 
spoiler heavy because you know what's the fun in not having the book in front of you and reading it, uh, reading it aloud. I think we might even do a dramatic dramatic reading from certain pages. I might even do it in the FDR voice. I'm not sure. We'll have to and I'll do it in my Rob doing FDR voice. That would be great. I'd love to hear that. Um, so anyway, <laughs> uh, thank you all for listening, and we hope you come back for the next episode. Until then, uh, fan the flames of Firestorm. See, I remembered it. Fan there the it flames, is. Fan the flames. And, and, uh, and catch the wave. That's good. That's, yeah, catch the wave. I like that. I can deal with that. Uh, until then, thanks so much. And uh, you want to say goodbye, Shag? Goodbye, Shag. Alrighty, Bye-bye. Aquaman and Firestorm fighting crime together. Soak them down or burn them up. No one does it better. Whenever you find trouble, they'll always be there to catch them in a bubble or even torch their hair. Stand for truth and justice and see on land and fair. Firestorm and Aquaman, they make a super fair. Aquaman and Firestorm, super friends forever. Yeah!